But the way we do that, that's different. Moving away from home. I'd heard stories about it. This isn't my home. It's changed my life. I really wish someone had told me. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Stateless Mess podcast. My name is Anas. And before I introduce my guest for today, let me give you a quick introduction to this show. So every week, I will be hosting a new guest. Someone who's traveled away from home for work, studies, or other long-term purposes. They will be sharing with you their experiences. For example, what did they expect before coming? How did they inform this decision of going there? And why did they choose this specific country? And how did they adapt to the culture? And what was the culture like? And etc. All by storytelling. I mean, you know, there's a reason why fables are used for kids and why all the three holy books are meant to guide us through life mainly by storytelling. I don't know the exact reason, but I think stories really resonate with us more, but I mean, God knows better. So whether you're religious or not, I really hope you enjoy this show. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our first guest of this show. He comes from the Republic of Pakistan, and although he was born there, he was raised almost all his life in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And then at the age of 18, he decided to move to the UK for university education. And according to what he said in this episode, he really did enjoy the UK, so much that he still is in the UK now for full-time work. I was curious to find out how did he move from Saudi Arabia to the UK, considering that Saudi Arabia is a very strict country with very uh, close-mindedness, I should say, to the UK, a country where there is nothing forbidden, where you're free to do whatever you want. How did he find that move? And what would his advice be to people who are considering doing a similar move to what he did? So if you're as excited as I am, join me in welcoming Namir Rihan. If you stick around to the end, you will also find a bonus clip where Namir talks about the uh, demographics of the UK in terms of the Southeast Asians, um, like India and Pakistan, and where can you find people who are from a similar culture like you if you're deciding to move to the UK. That might not be relevant to everyone, so we kept it as a bonus clip in the end. If you stick around to the end, you will find it. And um, let's let's get right into this episode. So, we have a very special guest today. Oh, uh, thank you. Namir Rehan. Let's start with this. First, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing uh, really well, thank you. How about you? Yeah, not bad. How's life generally? Your uh, life's been alright. It's just, it's almost Christmas time at the time yeah. of this recording. So, um, work's been chill and uh, just like meeting lots, lots of new people and stuff. Okay. So, yeah, so it's been, it's been, it's been alright. So, I s- properly started work like couple of weeks ago just after my exams mm. so it's been i'm still like set, settling in full time full time yeah i'm a financial auditor so i mean it's f- fancy than it sounds as you know <laughs> you've you've dabbled in that a little bit yourself yeah yes yeah, it's, it's not as exciting as it sounds but you know pays the bills that's all that matters so it, where are you from <laughs> um you probably know my situation it's hard to tell it's hard to answer that question not straightforward questions where i was born and raised because mm-hmm. that's what most people mean where you're from saudi arabia but then that it's my passport doesn't say that well my the cover on my passport says that because i've got saudi the cover is saudi arabian but like it's just a cover it's a pakistani passport yeah so that the, the best we get you know saudi saudi arabian citizenship laws 
you can't ever be, be a citizen. All you can be is a resident, which I am and have been all my life. But I can't. I can never be a Saudi citizen. But that's the place. Besides the UK, I think I'm gonna feel more comfortable in the UK. But besides the UK, I feel very much at home in Saudi Arabia, more so than I do in Pakistan. But you still need a visa to go to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, yeah, or a visa as in Kazakhstan and Iqama, which is a resident permit. Right. Yeah. So that that is what I need, but that can like go. It's not a permanent thing. Yes, and you have to pay for it. Yeah, mother has to pay for it and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I'm actually more secure in, despite like despite being just a working resident in the UK. I'm I'm more secure in the UK than I'm in Saudi Arabia. I feel like I'm right. more rice in the UK than I have in Saudi Arabia. And also, never obviously when I was younger, I felt at home in Saudi. But then as you get older, you realize like two months from now, I could I could be kicked out. I can't have this as my home so I I decided not to invest any of my future in Saudi Arabia because I know that investment could just like turn bad any second I know people mm. who've been there as you would have you would too been there for decades lose their job or lose their business or get involved in some scandal and they're kicked out immediately so you yeah. don't feel safe at what you would call home yeah I feel safe it's secure, very very safe like secure secure yeah I don't feel stability mm. in Saudi Arabia and because my dad's a doctor so his job is relatively quite stable there are there are no demand there are no ups and downs in demand but me personally i don't feel secure or stable or safe and i don't think many other people do but you still call it home i still call it home i mean that's where i grew up that's the place i know the best but i i really really like the uk as well mm. i've really um settled in here perfectly fine when my mom my mum and my sister visit quite a lot in fact, well, they're getting they're getting a place here in Birmingham. Oh wow! Yeah, in um in August or something. Mm. And uh, my sister's going to school here from next year. So when they're here, I, it feels obviously a lot more like home. But then they're here very often anyway. So it is it has become become to feel like home to me, the UK. But um obviously, and and the UK, all I have to do is stay here for four more years, and I'm a British citizen. I'm I can actually call myself British, but I can never do that in Saudi. Wow. I'm surprised that you you talked a bit about your time in Saudi Arabia and you're talking now about settling in the UK, but you haven't mentioned Pakistan at all. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's because it's so unheard of for me. Like, it's not in my plans at all. Pakistan, I don't, th- um, I don't think I can adjust to life there. And uh, there are nice places in Pakistan, definitely, hmm. but those places are far and few in between, and they're quite expensive to live in. They're like private towns and private cities. Uh, quite common in Pakistan for like really wealthy people so it's gated communities and the inequality there is like quite apparent as soon as you go there pa- Pakistan is like the land of the poor and the very 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 rich but I don't think I, I can fit it in Pakistan that well and I think the opportunity like just like the career opportunities and like the business opportunities in the UK are far greater than those in uh, Pakistan or the Middle East barring like Dubai or something hmm so yeah, I think I think it's for my future. I think the UK and London specifically is the place to be, or close to London is the place to be. Uh, talk to me about when you moved from uh, Saudi Arabia to the UK. Obviously, Saudi Arabia restricted, you know, the rules and regulations, and it's a very tight community where you cannot really do much. And then the UK freedom, you got everything in front of you. People don't really care what you want to do uh, in relation to what the Middle East things, yeah. and, you know, where we come from things. 
How how was that movement like for you? Was it? Well, I went to British school, so in Saudi. Yeah, in Saudi. Okay. So it wasn't. Well, I was uh, exposed to different cultures and different different countries and everything. People from different backgrounds. So the move wasn't that big because obviously in Saudi, um, in where I'm from, Jeddah, there are many cultural enclaves of expats where uh, a lot of like. We call them compounds, but in the UK you don't call them compounds. You call them gated communities, but in Saudi you call them compounds where it's just a lot of foreign people, uh, largely people from Western countries like um, Australia, you know, the UK, Canada, America, New Zealand, most common ones. But a lot of like European countries, like Germany and France and that. But the, uh, there are also like wealthier, wealthier people from diff- from like poorer countries, like wealthy Pakistanis, wealthy Indians, and stuff like that, and a lot of wealthy Arabs as well. So I, I, large part of my life, I, I lived there. So it wasn't that different. It wasn't that much of a culture shock until it came to alcohol. And obviously, you know, Saudi, alcohol restricted. I'm pretty sure there's a death penalty if you're caught exporting alcohol into the country. So the the alcohol culture in the UK was the biggest culture shock for me. But otherwise, I I really, really enjoyed it. My first year in the UK was amazing. The first, first few months were amazing. Then I went back to Saudi for a month for christmas came back and then there was homesickness then but then that went away really quickly the the culture shock wasn't was largely driven driven by alcohol and the going out culture right because in sat but like obviously um the pakistani community in the uk is very 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 strong so you can some parts of london and some parts of birmingham especially like london birmingham and because i went to union reading and certain parts of Reading as well, but not to a degree in London, Birmingham. Some parts just felt absolutely like home. Like, in fact, like, like Pakistan even. Wow. So, like, I think because the Asian population, the UK is so huge. The Asian Muslim population, sorry. Muslim population specifically. I could have lived my life exactly like I lived in Saudi Arabia in the UK. with Without much challenges. Uh, or, like, without almost any culture, culture shock. But... Because where I live, going to uni is slightly different because I had I I was the only international student in my whole, but which I was thankful for. Like I enjoyed it. It's very easy to get caught up in that the circle of like Muslims and circle of like other Arab or other Pakistani people. But I, I didn't get caught up in that. I know people who did, and I think that um, that was good for me. All in all, because I I had learned how to deal with drunk people when I was the only sober one around. So right. a lot of, most nights out, it's I'm the only sober one there. Everyone else is drunk out of their minds, and yeah. that even when everyone else is drunk, it helps me loosen up as well, because I'm quite an introverted person. But when everyone else, you know, they don't care what you're saying, and they're saying they're not, they don't have any filter on them. It helps me, like, be myself too. I I definitely relate to that when you say um, there's no um, filters with what people are talking about. But it's interesting that you say that there was a lot of. Pakistani Muslims, sort of like similar-minded people to where you lived, coming in here. Did you think that you were gonna go? You know, you're not you're gonna stick much to your similar-minded people, and then why did you? Oh, it was definitely not an active decision. It was very much it happened, and then retrospectively, I realized, oh, what happened to me was right. I could have easily fallen into the trap of just fitting into my own little enclave, my own little circle of people. But um, it wasn't by choice. It wasn't like I actively made the choice to do so. It was, it was largely just where I lived, actually, because uh, your first mates at uni are the people you live with. I wasn't tight with them at all. Uh, not the top people I live with directly, but um, two mates I lived with, I'm still basically, one of them is basically my best friend right now. 
and um, the other one I'm, I still speak to every now and then. I haven't seen him in a year or so now, but I still speak Amor? to him regularly. Sorry, is it Amor? Oh no, Amor. Yeah, he was. He's actually. Um, he was. He's also almost a similar similar person, or in ex- almost exactly my shoes. He just grew up on the other other coast of Saudi Arabia, but he was really helpful in guiding me as well. I'm very thankful to him. But it wasn't him. It was two. It was a guy named Joel and a guy named Maurice. I live with both. Live both in first year. Hang hang out with them all the time. And they were they were like my they were obviously because they, they weren't Muslim they weren't brown, but they were very like minded because um, I'm massively into nerd culture, massively into comic books and films and stuff like that. So they were similar to me in that regard. So that helped. And I think I, f- I would fit in better with people who are into nerd culture, who are into comic books, who are into politics and philosophy maybe a little bit and things like that than I would with like other Muslims or like just based on the fact that they're Muslim or like yeah. other brown people. It's not the race, it's more their interests and what they're into. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's, it's, I'd say it's definitely the interest. For me, I, the easiest person I get along with is anyone who obviously this not not sometimes can backfire but anyone who in, expresses any political opinions whatsoever <laughs> uh, that's just like oh I get, i'm gonna get along with this guy because even if they disagree with me very strongly so it's just nice to have those conversations because not many of my friends are into those sort, sorts of things and uh amar who's basically a pakistani student who was born and raised in the the mom in saudi arabia he was i asked him what office did you like because we could cha- choose what city we wanted to do our placement in he did his in London, and I asked. I got tips from him. How did you do this? What did you like? How did you get the place? How did you find? How did you find it? How was your overall experience? And things like that. He was very helpful in that regard. But excuse me again. Also, like he, because um, he was my only source of <laughs> Pakistani friends and Muslim friends because I didn't really know any other Pakistanis or Muslims besides him. So his sort of, I was just uh, he introduced me to his circle, and those remain my primary Muslim friend circle because I didn't really know any other Muslims. And that sort of obviously that was that was nice. It's nice to be around. It's it's not. I don't think it's healthy to exclusively be around people you who think who are similar to you. But then it's nice because it gives you that source of comfort, that 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 feeling that you you're around people you know, and that that sense of homeliness in a way. Because cause it's nice to hear. Obviously, because Saudi Arabia, we hit, we heard the azan every now and then, right? I mean, not every now and then, five times a day, very loudly, right? And in the UK, that doesn't happen. Well, I went Amar or like a few of my other mates when because they had alarms for prayer times, and when the Azan used to go off on the phone, it made me like, oh, that's nice. It's nice to. Be. It made me feel like feel like, like slightly like home again. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. Hearing the prayers and when when I'm home, and then the Azan goes the first time, I'm like, whoa, that that's amazing. Um, if someone was in a similar shoe to you, Pakistani Muslim, yeah, and they want to make a move to the UK to study or to work. What would you tell them? Oh, definitely. I'm trying to convince my sister. So my sister uh, studies and uh, lives in Australia. She studied. She graduated very, very recently. So she's in Australia right now. Um, I told her to come to the UK as well. I told my younger brothers to come to the UK. And I convinced my dad to send my younger sister to school in the UK. So I actually really, really like the UK. I would, I would encourage everyone to come here. And I think it's a lot easier to make the change if, like, you've got someone you know here. So like for for my younger sister, she's been coming in like quite a bit. So and to her, it was not a culture shock at all because I I lived here, and she came here like I came here alone, but she came here with my parents. She came here when I was living here basically. So to her, it was just a very uh, natural transition. But to me, obviously, I had to make a massive effort. 
But what would you tell them like to be aware of or to take care of or to look out for things to um, to consider? Yeah. Um yeah. I think be ex- accepting of other people and be will be willing to go outside your comfort. I don't think I did this actively, but looking back, I definitely did do this. But going out of your comfort zones and like interacting with new people definitely definitely joining societies 100% joining societies like the debate society and comedy society were things I was part of um and there was a there was a society called the free thought society or the liberal thought society I can't remember uh that's where I met people who I actually could have a conversation with without actually trying I think a lot of the socials at uni were very forced the conversations were forced and I had to I had to really make an effort. But when, you, when you're in societies of things that you have an interest in, you don't have to make an effort. You just naturally want to talk to people. So I think that is very, very beneficial. And also, like, my course mates and I are very, very close. So we're a small course of, like, 45 people. So mo- mostly know each other. And a lot of us live together. And, I, I, like, right now, I li- I'm living with a mate I met at uni in my first year, and we live together. We lived together first year, and we live together now. So five years later. What are the chances? Yeah, exactly. And he was on my course, lived in my halls, mm. went to the same... Uh, we we did both of our placements in London. Then we both moved to Birmingham for work. So, yeah. Um, was it all planned? Y- yeah, in, in a way. Because basically, we both did our placements in London. And then both of us got a final job offer at, at the same company we were working at. And they offered us a nice bonus to move to Birmingham because they're trying to grow the Birmingham office. And both of us took it and moved here. And not just the two of us. Like I'm, I, I went to work with... like. 15 people I need from uni so but all of us work in the same office and that has been a massive blessing I cannot tell you how much of a blessing that was I think the transition from uni life to work life is a much bigger and much harder transition from like for me personally at least from like Saudi Arabia to the UK even though that was a transition but like it's mostly just making an effort with people and like being comfortable not drinking and being around drunk people that was the biggest challenge for me but I like Definitely, hundred percent. A bigger challenge would be transition from like uni life to work life, and the fact that I got to do that with like fifteen of my friends from university was such a blessing. It's still, I still feel that made my transition very, very comfortable. If I, I can't imagine right now being having to go to work and not knowing anyone there. Like right now, I still sit with people I've known for four years. I still chat with people I've known for four years. Go to lunch with people I've known for four years. Like spend the weekends with people I've known for four years. Live with the person I've known for four years. So um, that was that made a transition. I cannot I cannot stress how beneficial that was for my transition from uni life to work life. Otherwise, I've I've known people. I know people who are the only ones from their uni or from the from the circle of friends at university who are on their own at their own uh, at their, at their job at their place of work. And they, a lot of them obviously have moved cities and are the only people they don't have established friend circle in that city. And the fact that I did and made life a lot easier i'd say that's a very interesting insight actually like the the you need to work transition and doing it with friends or someone you know makes it a lot easier in your uh, first year you had a great time you enjoyed yourself did that change coming towards second year or because yeah. you went back to saudi and then you came yeah. back did anything change along those um, times yeah initially because um because i've lived in saudi all my life i was so so excited to come to the uk so when I got there, I was just um, just amazed, just like really enjoying myself, loving every second of it, just loving the fact that I was in the UK studying. Because um, obviously like in, 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 in Pakistani culture, not so much in Saudi culture, in Saudi culture that's very common, but in Pakistani culture not many people go, go to different countries to study. Um, 
it's so it was like a big source of pride for my parents. I was I went to the UK to study. So the first three months were just amazing. Loved loved it. Loved doing new things, experiencing new people. Uh, and uh, I went back to Saudi Arabia for my Christmas break for a month. And then when I got back to the UK, unexpectedly, I got this. Uh, I got I got very very homesick. Miss started missing Saudi a lot, and that's when it started. That's when I was like, oh shit, I miss Saudi. I wish I could. I wish I could go have my mom's food, and I wish I, I wish I could, you know drive around because obviously in the uk i don't have a car in saudi everyone has like multiple cars uh, yeah i had a car in saudi but not in the uk so that those things were like a source of struggle like going back to the comf- comfortable life in saudi where like my parents did everything for me where <laughs> and coming back coming back where i had to, i was responsible for myself basically that, that was that was just that was really that was really hard initially but obviously over time i got a lot easier and now i don't even think about it because I think that was very beneficial, I may, and maybe this is not like Saudi to UK specific. It's living with your family versus living alone, and living alone was 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 a struggle for me initially because I don't think it was a thing. You know, obviously that at home the fridge is always full because your mum fills it up, and you know you don't you never I never I've never replaced the toothpaste in my toilet <laughs> and everything. I never bought new soap and everything like here when the toothpaste finished, I had to. I was like, what? Who is the toothpaste? What <laughs> I, had to, I had to bring that. I had to buy that myself. The soap. I had to buy myself. You know, things like that. The things normally my mom did. I had to do them myself. So that was that was a bit of a bit of a struggle, to be honest. Struggle. Of course, independent life is a uh, it's a lot of active decisions, and you, sometimes you take it for granted, like you were saying. Um, how did you get over that homesickness? I mean, you got over the independence part, and you obviously grew up uh, yeah. as a person but how did you grow over the homesickness how did you or did you at all yeah i i know quite quickly actually but um i think the independence issue added to the homesickness i don't think they were like separate issues um it, it maybe they were actually maybe because of because i wasn't i didn't live in the uk i wasn't able obviously i wasn't able to uh, i wasn't able to do things i wouldn't saudi and that added to the homesickness so they did go hand in hand because I didn't have as much uh, like ability to do things. I couldn't. I couldn't drive in the UK. I couldn't. Um, my, like in Saudi, my dad had contact and sources everywhere, so like he'd just give someone a ring and the work would get done or whatever. But in the UK, I had to do that myself. I had to, you know, in Saudi, it's like very much, it's who you know. So there are official cha- official ways of doing things. Are like you could just call someone you know and like a thing gets done, right? You you probably yeah, know that. Exactly. Yeah. Options, uh, yeah. <laughs> In the UK, it was obviously waiting in lines, waiting in queues, and stuff mm. like that. So that 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 was that was annoying. But um, <laughs> the normal is annoying. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I think I think I lived quite a privileged life in Saudi Arabia. And like, oh, also, I think this was good. this was a very very good learning experience. Actually, I think they put me down to it. I, I would say I was I was a little bit arrogant when I came here when I came here from Saudi, and I think coming to the UK really grounded me. And uh, even though I, I wasn't like visibly cocky but i did i did i did I was, I was very thankful but i did expect things i think i was too um what's the word when you when you when you just expect things uh you took i took things for granted that's what that's it i just know i was entitled. like yeah entitled that's it i was i was very entitled to things and coming to the uk made me have to earn those things and uh, also like because everyone else had a job in the uk i felt sort of pressure because everyone in my whole had a job so i got a job at domino's 
and that was that was also a nice learning that was first ever job that was also a nice learning experience and it just made me feel like because everyone else was sort of taking care of themselves but for me obviously my dad was paying for everything and that made me feel like that that made me slightly feel made me feel slightly emasculated in a way like my, I'm, I'm i'm 18 and my dad's paying for everything still he's taking care of me paying for university paying like 20 grand a year for me i sort of wanted to contribute my contribute myself like i wanted to take care of myself and stuff and so i worked at domino's over the weekends and obviously that i couldn't i couldn't pay for myself i wasn't taking care of myself but i knew i was actually doing something like taking some steps into uh, into adulthood and um that was that was helpful i think like having a job and stuff and getting over the fact that i'm not i'm not i'm not just uh, you know i'm not my dad's not just paying for everything i'm not i'm not being overly dependent on my dad yeah that's a ve- I mean, thank you for sharing these, um, being so open about these yeah. experiences. Because normally, uh, you know, people be reluctant to share about how they actually felt when they, like, if something was negative about them. But you were very, very open yeah. about it. Yeah, I'm open about this with a lot of like this is because quite a lot of people, especially back home, ask me about this sort of these sorts of things. So it, it, I have spoken about this quite a bit, and I think it's just, um, I think because uh, it's really helpful to get perspective of someone who actually been here from your shoes and i think if i had a because i I come into the uk i didn't know anything that was stupid on my behalf i was just so excited to go to the uk i didn't look up uni culture didn't look up student culture or anything but like i i was completely unprepared for the end obviously everyone said you're gonna you're gonna be independent you're gonna be taking care of yourself and everything i just like never even thought about it but um that was just having to having just having being prepared to deal with it or being told that you have to be prepared to deal with it would have helped a lot, and I just wasn't expecting. So I was like, "Why?" I was like, "Once I go to the UK, my life will be perfect." And then I was left wondering, "Yo, yeah, why is my life not perfect?" So it's because I had to do a lot of things myself. I had to take care of myself. Uh, but if uh, like I like my younger sister and my old my my younger brother, sorry, and my younger sister, like, I, I think I, they've seen me go through it, so it'll be a lot easier for them. As, as I said, my younger sister is spends the summer here and everything. Like so for her, it's a non-issue. For her, the transition is like non-existent. Basically, she's just living in Saudi. The next minute, she's living in the UK with the same family, with the same like. Obviously, we've got a lot of family friends here. We've got a lot of family here, so we got an active social circle in the UK as well as Saudi. To her, it's not that much. That that's not that different. I think, uh, for me, it was because I didn't move into I didn't move into London and Birmingham. And London and Birmingham, as all Asian people have, I've got a lot of relatives there. And but in Reading, I didn't re- I didn't really have anyone. So I was by myself. I was I had to take care of myself, and that was that was I think a big a big challenge for me, a big hurdle. But obviously managed to get get through it, and it helped me a lot. And like right now, I, I live not alone. I live with a flatmate. But obviously, take care of myself, pay my own bills, set up my own bank, and everything, which things I had not done in in Saudi all that much. So I think that was a very good learning experience, and it definitely prepared me for independent working life. That's amazing. Do you think that's a uh... Because you know how the culture in Asia and in Middle East is, you're gonna stay with me until you're, until you get married. Essentially, you know, mm-hmm. like if you go, if you're a guy, you get married to a wife. She's gonna cook for you. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Would you blame it on the parents? The culture. What What would you say yeah, is? I, th- the... I think the culture in general does add to it. But my parents specific. My obviously my parents spoiled me. We like my dad never had an issue. My dad, like, I had amazing parents. I cannot. I can't ask for anything better. But my my dad anything anytime I needed anything, regardless of how expensive it was, my dad would get it for me. Like my dad did not want me wishing, oh I wish I had this if my mates had it. My dad would just get it for me. So like we got the PS2 when it came out back in like two thousand two or something. Got the oh. 
Yeah, I got the PS3 as soon as it came out. I got the PS4 as soon as, as soon as it came out. I got the iPad as soon as it came out. Like basically everything, right? And it, it was, it was. I don't know if it was best. I think that that's the best thing to do for everyone. I don't think it was the best thing to do for my brother because he's easily distracted, and he did like his studies to suffer a little bit because of this. But for me, that was that was definitely the right decision. For me, my older sister, my younger sister, are quite self responsible for our studies and everything. We we do we know you have to look out for yourself. You have to you we we did spend a lot of time playing games and stuff, and like playing you spend wasting time on the iPad and stuff. But we all we all got the work done. But my younger brother, he I think he struggled. He he got just got too lost in video games and stuff. So maybe that wasn't the best decision for everyone. But that was definitely the best decision decision for me. But what my dad did do, that wasn't spoiling at all. That was actually very, very good for my development. Was like, um, like licensed when I was when I was just sixteen and I wanted to get get a driver's license. He just he asked me to do it myself. Didn't help me out. And I think the last the last couple of years before I went to uni, like he asked me to do a lot of things myself. A lot of like um, a lot of how, how, um chores chores in a way but it's just like a lot of things he just asked me without without me having his help he just wanted me to be able to like he just wanted like get the car like, when, I, when my car broke down he asked me to go to the mechanic myself talk to him and obviously because i don't speak arabic right it's a lot harder for me so i have to find the right mechanic and like have to call my friends and ask them to go i have to call a lot of my arab friends ask them to come with me even though my dad speaks fluent arabic because he's a doctor he could just help me but he decided not to do that so I think those uh, that la- la- last year or eighteen months I was in Saudi before coming to the UK, my dad forced basically forced me to do these things, and that really really helped my help the transition phase I think. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of parents do do that. A lot of parents kept the keep the kids sheltered and everything. Yeah. Like booking my flight to the UK, I did that myself. My visa sorting out process, I did that myself. My dad left me a lot of responsibility, but also a lot of trust to like get this sorted. Like a lot of sometimes the bills, sometimes the bank payments, sometimes. Um, you know, going to the bank and getting money out and everything like, you know, getting my residence permit renewed sometimes, my getting my visa sorted out. As a 16, 17-year-old, none of my other friends did this, but I did. And I think that really, really helped me out. But my mum my mom was the opposite. She, when it was, even now, when I'm like, I'm 22 now, even when I go back home, treats me like a baby, cooks for me, cooks for me. She does like, washes the dishes for me. When I'm washing dishes, she's like, no, 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 that's fine, I'll do, I'll do it. She like, treats, it, it treats me like a guest yeah. when I go back home now. Yeah. So that my mom is, my mom just spoiled me like yeah. endlessly. But my dad also did in another way with like everything I could have asked for, he did. Yes. He gave, gave, he gave me without like making, without me ever realizing how much he's doing for me. But, and also when it came to making sure I wasn't overly dependent, he did that too, and I think my my dad specifically is quite progressive minded, and because uh, my older sister is a dentist, and she just completed a master's degree from Australia, as I said, she's also a very sort sort of feministy. Like I'm a strong, independent woman. I'll take care of myself. Whenever my mom brought up marriage, because my mom was quite my mom was the opposite. My mom was very religious. She's like, oh, you have to. When my mom was when my sister was about to do a master's degree, she's like, no, make sure you get your marriage sorted out first. You're 24. Like who's gonna marry my mom? Like he's he's gonna marry you when you're 24 and you're 25 and we graduate finally. But my sister was like, I don't care. I don't need a husband to take care of me. I could take care of myself. And my so my sister had that chip on her shoulder, and that made me view women in a slightly different way. Like, um, obviously, I knew, like, growing up, uh, some like obviously, in our household, as a woman, your job is growing up and getting married and take care of your husband. My sister was complete, completely the opposite of that. My older sister was like my older brother in some ways. So I was very thankful for that. Uh, she gave me a new perspective, and uh, that that definitely helped me. I think my family def- 100% helped me. If I had, if I grew up in a different family, I, I would, would have struggled a lot more. 
Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that from a personal experience myself. My parents were not the um, were not preparing me for independence as much. I grew up in a household where dad does the job, mom does the house stuff and then you're just there to study and yeah. eat and sleep yeah. more or less. And I struggled coming to the UK from that independence was a big thing i did not know how did not know why where when just bought takeaways couldn't cook they didn't my mom never taught me how to cook ever i still don't know to be honest (laughs) (laughs) my mom comes around every few months makes me a lot of food yeah fills up my freezer and i'm still i literally ate ate food my mom made like three weeks ago today Wow. Yeah, yeah. So my mom, my mom came around like, couple, like maybe four, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. Once again, cooked a bunch of food that lasts me till Christmas. I'm going back home, and uh, next week I'm going back to Saudi. Uh-huh. She's coming back with me. Right. <laughs> Gonna make a lot of food again, <laughs> then leave. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually st- she's still spoiling me. She, yeah. Uh, I th- my mom's. My mom's dream is to do what your mom does. Yeah. Uh, like she she wants to come here and like cook for me and keeps frozen stuff. Yeah. But um, she has like troubles with the visa and stuff. Yeah. So she sends stuff with me when I come. Frozen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So my bag when I come is just food. Food. <laughs> frozen food. <laughs> and they stop me at the airport every single time. What is this? <laughs> what why? Is yeah. Why do you have a honey? restaurant there? <laughs> it's, it's why smuggling in food. Um. So yeah, definitely try to if you're coming if you're moving away from your parents. Try to practice independence. See what it's like. Be self-dependent, really. Don't ask anyone to do something for you. You try to do it out yourself. Go out. Try different things. Talk to different people. Get out of your comfort zone. Meet new people, you know. Meet new people, yeah. That is so important to, like... like Also, the fact that I went to international school and I met people from different backgrounds, I think that was that... I think that makes, like, me and and you as well, since you grew up in Saudi, and you knew people from, like, all backgrounds and, like, different parts of the world and everything i went to international school too so like if i grew up in pakistan just around pakistani people my only exposure to other cultures would be things i saw excuse me things i saw on tv things i saw on the news and everything and i I think actually meeting people you know like pakistan like you know they do have people just live by stereotypes like you know, Indians are selfish because obviously Pakistan India thing. Oh, Indians are selfish people, and like Arabs. Oh, Arabs just the arrogant, wealthy people. Rich, yeah. You know exactly. Cars and yeah, women. Well, well, that's true. But just actually growing around, growing up around people, uh, and seeing how different my perspective on different different cultures was compared to my cousins who grew up in Pakistan was actually quite resounding. So I think I think the difference was resounding. So I think I'm um, growing up in the Middle East. I'm more comfortable, and I feel I feel closer in culture with someone like you, who's like Egyptian, not Pakistani at all. But you also grew up in Saudi, and I grew up in Saudi. I think expats who grew up in Saudi or just the Gulf in general, just Middle Eastern, um, you know, rich Middle Eastern countries. I think I have a lot more in common with them, and I get along far far better with them than I do with like actual Pakistani from Pakistan. But also, like it's just as I said, like it is more to you and me and everyone else than just their ethnic and cultural identity. Uh, as someone who's into politics, into philosophy, into comic books, uh, things like that, I would I would get along far far better with them than like other people. Obviously, there's there's a degree of similarity if you're from a similar area, if you're from the same area or whatever, has similar upbringing that adds to you. But then I think values and interests are f- far have been a far greater source of friendship for me. Yeah, than than um, 
just like race yeah, or uh, yeah, religion. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're running out of time. I know <laughs> we need to be somewhere right now. Yeah, um, actually, it's like going out. 40 minutes yeah I should probably best call it off now yeah 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 that's fine Uh, so let's thank Namir thank you for being here I appreciate uh, you being on the podcast first episode (laughs) Um, I'm honoured honoured to be honest it's it's my pleasure oh can can I just ask you a few questions about Birmingham then Uh, sure because I've been living here obviously it's not the point of the podcast but I've been living here for a year now Uh and um, I actually love Birmingham it makes me feel very much at home very like Similar to, more similar to Jera, Jera than any other what? part of the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel very much at home in Birmingham. Like, what's your, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, my thoughts. I've been around Birmingham. I mean, I can see that there's like less white people on the <laughs> streets because I'm comparing it to Newcastle. Oh, Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle is largely white dominated. Yeah. You, I come to Birmingham. I can see more color, more. Um, the race more diverse. of the people around it's more diverse yeah um, it's actually just more brown I don't know what happens if you want to mention the colour uh, yeah but I haven't lived here so I cannot really give you an opinion Fair. my friends who live here though they've been telling me about how um, it's not very safe uh, yeah uh, especially for women well this this area specifically where we're recording this podcast near Dickbeth yeah I'd say it's not very safe but where I live I don't live that far from here it's like a 20 minute walk but Near Broad Street, um, it's a, and near like the business area where I work, it's a lot safer. Obviously, not completely safe, but it's a lot safer than Digbeth and like you know just like near, basically near Aston in, in general. But um, life here because I drive here. I mean, not I don't have a car, but like whenever my mom or my sister come around, I rent a car, and I've got a place to park and everything. And like it just feels a lot more similar to the place I grew up in than Reading did. And and like you know um. In, in, in Reading when my mum used to come when my mum well she's only been there once but when my mum came around I, I had to guide her because my mum didn't speak English that well so I had to guide her through um, like had to accompany her to shops and stuff and everything but like in Birmingham everyone speaks Urdu <laughs> all the shopkeepers speak really? Urdu like, yeah. <laughs> so that has never been an issue for me <laughs> so like, I can just like my mum is a lot more independent here and in like West London my mum my mum loves South Hall I don't know if you've mm. been to South Hall but Oh, South Hall yeah. is basically it's like a it's like an area picked out of Pakistan, just placed in the UK. <laughs> so uh, South Hall, my mum feels very comfortable with South Hall. Right. She actually shows me around South Hall, <laughs> but uh, you know, but Birmingham also she feels very comfortable. She, I can like I can like leave her to do her own things without being worried about oh what, is she gonna how is she gonna communicate and everything. Yeah, but, so you would you recommend if not recommend, but if someone wants to go to a place in the UK that's more um, Asian culture. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. is... I wouldn't recommend the people come to the UK from Pakistan just to live in Pakistan <laughs> again. Yeah, I'd say just experience different things. But yeah. if if you want to do that, once again, I don't think you should do that. But if you want to do that, Birmingham and like South and East, sorry, Western West London and um and East London are the places to be, right. where you can basically live your entire day without ever seeing an English per- English, well, not an English person, but like a white person. Yeah, which is. <laughs> I don't know why you would want to do that, but if you want to do that, yeah, then yeah, but don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't, <laughs> don't do, do that. Do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Try to mix in as yeah. as much as you can. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking around to the end of this podcast. For those of you listening to this uh, episode in the first week of the release, I really appreciate it. Please leave a comment on Facebook about what you thought of the episode, or send me a message. Feedback really helps a lot for improving the future episodes. 
um, this episode. I know that now it's only available in Red Circle, but from next week, hopefully by the next episode, it will be also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all the famous wherever you listen to your podcasts on. So stay tuned. It will be released um, same time, same day. So Wednesdays, every Wednesday, a new episode will be released. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Home is where the heart is. It's incredible. I thought it was